0: If you're here for the first time, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're watching us online your first time, welcome. So glad you could join us. If you've been here for a while, we also welcome you as well, not just those that are new. But uh, uh, great to have you guys with us. We've been in a series on prayer going back a few weeks. We've only got a couple weeks in this left. Uh, we're looking at these prayer practices recently. As we start off, just want to ask, uh, what do we long for? What are the things that we, we crave for in the season? Uh, for me, it's more sunny weather. Uh, that's something that's long. It's, it's, we still have not adjusted back to the Seattle weather after moving from the Southern Hemisphere uh, and a lot of, of more sunny weather. Uh, for some of us, maybe a Seahawks Super Bowl. Uh, that may be something we have some hopes of that are going on. Maybe for some, it's this weird pumpkin spice monstrosity that some people are into. I hate all coffee and anything that says pumpkin spice with it. Uh, for others, uh, m- maybe it's an end-of-the-year bonus that we're looking forward to, things we crave, we long, stability and health. But there's this, one of my favorite psalms of David is he speaks to this. And it's, it's when he's on the run in the Judean desert. It's likely at this time is when his son is, has kicked him out of the kingdom and has taken the throne, and it says that he's in the desert, he's, he's on the run, he, he's desperate. Now, if you've seen the picture of the desert, it's complete wilderness, it's complete desert, almost no life in these areas. And he prays out this prayer to to God that he writes down in Psalm 63. He says, Oh God, you are my God and I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs. Remember, he's literally in a desert. And he's saying, My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In a parched and weary land where there is no water, how your unfailing love is better than life itself. Again, a guy on the run for his life. Hopelessness surrounding him, and this is what his prayer is. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I mean, David turns to God in that place, in the wilderness. He confesses in the midst of all of his troubles that his longing isn't just for safety or health or family or food or even water. What David longs for more than any of those things is fellowship with his Savior, fellowship with his Lord. Do do we crave time with God? Does our heart long to be with him? Do we thirst for him? Do we earnestly search for him as we talked about last week? Does God satisfy us more than a Thanksgiving dinner? As we go to bed at night, as we lay our head on the pillow, do our thoughts go to him? We meditate upon Him as we lay down to sleep at night, or are we meditating upon whatever social media we're doing with a a screen in our face? Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to hit one of my favorite prayers to redirect our attention back to God and to His plans, and one specifically prayed that can be prayed as we lay our head down to the pillow right before we drift off to sleep. And so this is the second part of this prayer reflection. If you are here today and you weren't here last week, or you didn't check the message last week, you're kind of jumping in on part two, just, you know, please go back and listen to last week as it sets the, 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 the foundation for what we're talking about today. Last week, we spoke about David's prayer in Psalm 139 and his searching God at his heart and specifically looking at this whole idea of God searching us and repentance isn't some crazy weird thing that or, or something where we're like a dog waiting to get beaten, but showing that we can lay ourselves bare before God because he knows us as we are we can pray out to God and ask him to search us. And we can repent without fear, but actually with flourishing and freedom instead. And so today we're going to be looking at, at, at part two. And we're going to talk about God's calling for us to continually grow in deep awareness of him, of a life that is increasingly like the life of Jesus. Jesus lived his life in constant attunement to his father, where every single thing that Jesus did, he said he did because he did what the father told him to do. Every word he said, he said, was led by the Father. He was constantly partnering with the Father through the Holy Spirit, doing his will, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So in order for us to become more like Jesus, we talk about all the time living and loving like Jesus, for us to become more like Jesus, we actually have to do the things that he did. Otherwise, we're not becoming like him or living like him. We're not actually doing the things that he did. And Jesus was constantly aware of his Father in his leading. And that means if we want to live in love like him, we must grow in being more attuned to the reality of God with us, to Emmanuel. We must increasingly partner with the Holy Spirit in what God is doing in us and through us and around us. We must grow in awareness of his presence throughout all of our days. And so my favorite way to do this, my favorite prayer to practically grow in living and loving like Jesus is what's called the prayer of examine. The prayer of examine, and that's spelled E-X-A-M-E-N, it's Latin, is a prayer of reflection. It's, again, usually prayed in the evening, but it can be prayed any time. It's, it's, it's basically cozying up next to Jesus at the end of the day, kind of sitting with him back on the couch, grabbing the remote control, and then kind of reflecting and, and visualizing the day that we just experienced with, with him, what everything that we did, and asking as we play that tape back to show us his perspective on our day. That's really what it is. It's just kind of going back through a day from morning until evening and, and asking the Lord, where was I aware of your presence? Where were you at work in and around me? Or where did I engage with you And going through the day and saying, Lord, where were you present in this day? Where, what were you doing? Where did I engage with you? Or where did I miss the opportunities to do so? Where was I maybe walking in anxiousness or fear or, or disordered desires or sin or anger in some way that, that I wasn't aware of you in those places? You know, it's amazing how we can struggle with the same things over and over and over again. And then get frustrated, ah, I did it again. Make the same mistakes over and over. We do it in work, we do it in our personal lives. And there's this old saying that says, you know, pra- or pra- sorry, um, practice makes perfect. But that's often not true. Often instead they say that practice just makes permanent. So it it makes perfect if what you're doing is good and helpful and beautiful, keep doing it and you'll get better. But what if you're doing is unhelpful? It doesn't actually make it better or perfect. It just makes it more permanent. Right? So if you're, if you're doing great things, that's awesome. You'll get better at that. But if what you're doing is, is maybe procrastination, it just makes you a bigger procrastinator. If what you're doing is, is awesome, amen. But if it's giving into lust, keep doing that and it'll just become more normalized. If it's letting resentment grow and unforgiveness, keep doing that, and that will be normalized too. Keep living out of my own strength, and that will be normalized too. It it just makes it more permanent. Those behaviors just become a more normal way to live. To grow, we actually have to evaluate our experiences. To reflect upon what we've done. Make tweaks and to grow, and that's where the prayer of examine comes in. Most Christians I know, we just go one day to the next without ever taking this time to reflect back and say, God, where were you present, and how can I lean into you more in this next day? Most of us, just day after day, year after year, just growth is just something that happens by chance. We just hope it happens naturally, but we don't intentionally reflect upon it and evaluate it. And that's what this prayer is for. So do we long for more of God's presence? Do we long to increasingly live in love like Him? And if we expect that to happen by accident, we're fooling ourselves. It's going to be spotty and just a patchwork job. It'll be all over the map. But if we genuinely want to grow, I don't know of a better practice than daily taking time to reflect back upon our day with the Lord, to grow in our awareness of Him, and to grow in consciously partnering with Him as we move forward. So whatever we look for are the things that we are going to be noticing more easily. We see much more of whatever we intentionally look for. If we're not looking for it, we tend not to see the things. You know, for example uh hud's our kids we have three boys six eight and ten and uh they regularly on car rides they're always just counting cars they're bored so they're always counting cars and counting different colors of cards and we do to keep them busy and a little while back hudson our middle child was counting red cars and he had he was up to like two or three hundred red cars he had seen and he he, he saw some pink cars he was kind of those two, and jj said oh there's no pink cars on the road just a random thing and we're just saying just weird things kids always talk about they're fighting about this and hudson said no i've seen so many and jj says no you didn't and jj says if you find 50 pink cards i'll give you hundred dollars." What? I heard him saying this, going, are you nuts? Like, J.D.'s like, they don't exist, Daddy. I've never seen one. And Hudson's immediately goes, Yep, I'll take that deal. Right? He's like, I'll take that. And JJ's like, You're never gonna find it. I'm like, JJ, you probably don't want to do that deal because they do exist. Or right? he's like, I've never seen one. Hudson's everywhere, Hudson, next few days just looking for pink cards. He's up to five, he's up to ten. And JJ started to freak out, and JJ all of a sudden realizes they start seeing And He's like, Can I take my bet back, please? That's all the money I have. I have a hundred dollars, right? He was so convinced because he had not seen when they didn't exist. But what began to happen as they intentionally were looking for them, what happened, even though they're not as common, began to see them all over the place because they were looking for them. Basically that's what this prayer is about. It's looking for where God is present. And the more we begin to notice it, the more easily we're aware of it in the moment as we look into the past. So this prayer it comes from Ignatius of Loyola and it's uh, it's basically broken into five basic steps the way he taught it, you can do it any way you want. Step 1 is gratitude, step 2 is guidance, step 3 is review the day, step 4 is forgiveness or repentance, and step 5 is looking forward. Now, we're going to pray through this together in just a few minutes, but I want to break it down for us. But first, a couple points as we start. First, there's no right way to pray this prayer. Ignatius himself says, whatever works for you, do that, right? There's no correct way to do it. You can adapt it in any way you want to. And and second, this can be a hard prayer to pray sometimes because it requires honesty with you and God. It requires actually being honest about our day, and some of us don't want to be honest about that. Especially if you haven't walked through what we talked about last week, and somehow the idea of correction or the idea of doing things wrong brings shame or fear or brokenness. Then this thing can just be like this abusive relationship of where you feel that God's just trying to beat you up. In which case, go listen to last week's message like 10 times in a row and, and actually practice that a few times. But I would ask that as, as we do it this week with your prayer practice sheet that's in all of your chairs... At least three times this week, follow it according to this, just to practice it this way. This is more in accordance to the way Ignatius recommended it, and then you can adapt it any way you want, but and if you don't have this, it's on our website under sermons, sermon resources, along with the sermon notes and the discussion questions, everything else. So this, this prayer is typically prayed in the evenings. Um, and originally, it was done twice a day at lunch and in the evening, but it's something I just try and do in the evenings. For me, I do it about every other day on average. I tend to do it while I'm laying down at night. Every night, Sarah and I rotate off. But who puts uh, Caleb, our youngest one, to bed? He loves to cuddle at night. It's a great joy to put him to sleep. And it means like just laying there next to him for like 20 minutes as he drifts off to sleep. And to me, that's my perfect time for an examined prayer is I just lay there next to him as he's drifting off to sleep and praying through it at that point. By this prayer, Ignatius wanted to help people develop a reflective habit of mind that is constantly attuned to God's presence and responsive to his leading. So leaning into God's presence, and leaning to be responsive to him. And it's rooted in Psalm 139 that we looked at last week. But again, the current form came about by Ignatius in the 1500s. And a bit about him, Ignatius is considered one of the most influential Christians of the last couple thousand years. Um, He's the one that started the Jesuit order, if you've heard of that. Uh, And his life was just completely devoted to loving God, caring for the poor, and to prayer. His story is an incredible one. If you read any books about him, it was filled with incredible hardships and pain and trials. But after years and decades of practicing prayer, he began to lead these spiritual retreats before that was a popular thing to do that nowadays. Um, And he would lead these 30-day spiritual retreats he would take people on. In fact, he kind of put all of it in a book called Spiritual Exercises that you can still buy today. That describes his process. And there's a lot of different prayer exercises he gives, but he would say of all the prayer practices he did, the prayer of examine was the most important one. So I want us to look at. It. So step one begins with gratitude, very basically. We begin by giving thanks with a posture of gratitude for all that God has done today. Simple place of starting. Everything in this prayer is about leaning into the reality that God is with us. He is active right now. And we want to become increasingly attuned to Him and what He's doing. So if we want to partner intentionally with Him, we want to become more like Him. This is an intensely practical way to do this. and begins with gratitude. Just thanking God for, where, for what He's done. We, as we're to see, there's, there's a lot of other things in this prayer, but we want to begin from that place just a heart of gratitude to God. Kind of, we want our life to kind of be like a treasure hunt for God's goodness and His beauty around us, that we're leaning into those things. I was meeting with someone this past week in in, in marriage counseling, and they're struggling in in their marriage, and as they're talking about one of the things I was, as they are leaving, I said, this week, could you lean into the belief that your spouse actually is a good person, Right? lean into the idea that your spouse has good intentions and can you assume the best in them why am i saying that because when you're just assuming the worst or not leaning in you're everything you're interpreting that but if you actually assume good when they do things you'll actually be looking for it right look for the beauty in your spouse this week right and i know you're struggling but this week look for the beauty amidst everything else and so with god we begin leaning in with this prayer with gratitude from a place of lord we know that you're present even if it's hard we know your presence we begin with just a minute of prayer of gratitude of what god has done that day maybe what he's done the day before. This is, I'm teaching my kids to begin praying this prayer. We're just starting right here with gratitude every single night. What are we grateful for God today? What has God done today? And sometimes it's the same thing over and over again, but I'm always asking anything else that you saw God active today, where you saw God moving in different ways today, so that we can be grateful for him for. And then me go to step two, which is guidance. Now, Ignatius describes this as, pray for the light and love of God's Spirit to guide us as we pray. We don't want this just to be an exercise of the mind, not just some... Uh, Some thing that we we just pray our own ideas, and it's so easy to get distracted. And and this isn't a throwaway step of just saying, Lord, be present and guide us. It's genuinely recognizing that there is a real chance that we will just go on our own intentions. We will just get distracted by our own thoughts. Uh, We talked before about those those shallow puddles of of prayer that just kind of meandering and go different ways. We ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct our time of prayer. Be very intentional, leaning in Him, saying, Holy Spirit, guide me and direct me in this time. May you be my light on this path as I'm trying to follow you. Next, the third step. So here's where it gets intensely practical. This is the reviewing the day portion. And this makes up the bulk of the prayer. So here, there's a couple steps. But I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me in going back through my day from morning until evening to see the day from His perspective. And when I do this, I, I break it up into two halves. But what I'm looking for is where I'm aware of his presence and my actions and heart were in step with Jesus, but also where I missed those opportunities. And so, again, it's like sitting with Jesus at the end of the day, chilling with that remote control and just playing back the day. Ignatius called this reviewing the day with consolation and desolation were the two words he used. Kind of strange words made for us today, but that's the language that he used at that time, that we're going back and reviewing for it. And I'm going to quote from Jim Manning in his great book. It's called The Prayer That Changes Everything. But he summarizes Ignatius this way. He says, consolation describes the feelings that move us towards God and others. It's looking for where there is an increase in faith and hope and love and feelings of peace and security and joy. So I break this step into two parts. So first I go back through looking for areas of consolation of where was my heart moving towards God or moving towards others, where there is hope and joy and peace. It's just celebrating. Where was I engaged with what God was doing? Or maybe he didn't even notice, but I, God was clearly at work in that moment. And then we go through desolation, which obviously doesn't sound good, right? It's the opposite of that. That's anything that takes us away from the love of God and others. This would be awareness of a troubled spirit or anxiety or restlessness or doubts or self-loathing and dejection. One of the surest signs of desolation is a spiritual lethargy. If You just notice that you're just blah all day and you're recognizing you're not moving towards, you're not experiencing his life. It's just, or if the day just was completely just a blur to you, where there's no recognition of anything that happened, you struggle to even stop and think what happened, you know that there is a place where you weren't fully aware, you weren't engaging with him as a result. I love how Sky Jatani, an incredible author, put it, he, makes, he does this thing called a, a daily uh, devotional that he sends out, by email. you can sign up for it, it's incredible. But in one of the ones on Examine, he included this picture of consolation, desolation. So consolation is reflecting on where we're moving towards awareness God, of God and partnering with him. Desolation is where we're moving away from him. And so I love this picture. So if you think of prayer, this time, the first half in consolation, where am I moving towards God and his presence and his beauty, right? Just walking toward him, that's the first half. Second half is where am I walking away or missing him, right? That's, I just like the simplicity of that visual. That's what consolation, just where am I moving towards him, an awareness of his joy and his presence and his beauty. Desolation, where am I moving away from that? So again, I do this with two basic parts of it. So I start, and I go back, I start, go put the tape back to the morning when I wake up in the morning, and I begin to walk through the day for a couple of minutes, and I'm looking for things to celebrate, these aspects of consolation. The question I'm usually asking myself is, Lord, where was I aware of your presence and partnering with you? And so I begin in the morning and I just start kind of hour by hour going through my day. There's an old axiom that says, what you measure is what you'll produce. Right? It's true in business, it's true in personal lives, it's true in, in, in church, it's it's true in all areas. So whatever I want to grow in, that's kind of the question I need to be looking for. Right? Because that's the thing that I'm going to be noticing, like a pink car. So For me, if I were to sum up my greatest longing on earth, like my life message of what I want to do, I'd say it's to walk in greater intimacy with Jesus and by his empowering presence increasingly live in love like him. Like that's like my my life goal, my life passion, to walk in greater intimacy with Jesus and by his empowering presence to live in love more like him. So if that's what my goal in life is, I want that to be the focus of my day as I pray. So as I pray, I'm saying, Lord, where was I aware? Where was I moving towards you? Where was I experiencing you or engaging or partnering with you? And the second one then is, going, after I do that through the whole day, I'll stop and go back through the day on the other side of things. Not to beat myself up, but where did I miss you? Where did I miss opportunities to be aware of your presence? Now, this is going to be like 95% of my day probably, right? So there's endless opportunities. I'm just going to ask him to highlight a couple of them. So, for example... Uh, I, I did this last night as I was praying through this, and I'm just going to think, if I were to look at yesterday of my time of, of, of examine, or look at yesterday, so I'd begin yesterday starting back asking, where was I aware of your presence and partnering with you? So I would sit there, would take a couple minutes, and I would begin with the moment I woke up. And so I would just kind of, in my head, I'm just kind of playing back the morning from the moment I woke up. And so I'd look back. When I woke up, before I opened my eyes, as because my practice, I just began praying, right? Before I opened my eyes, I just lay there, and I just spent some time in prayer acknowledging God, praying through. I think I did the Lord's Prayer, um, and just spent some time there. And as I did that, so I'm like, Lord, I was with, thank you. I started my day off in your presence. I knew you were right there. Remember, I got up at lakes. I've been up late working on a sermon, and so remember, I went downstairs. Sarah was already gone for much of the day. Kids are playing. We were getting, I got the kids ready. I wanted to take them to Home Depot. This just—I'm just, I'm not trying to make this about me. Just saying, this is how my process works on this. I so, remember I took an old book, there, like this kids workshop thing, to get some stuff for us to build some things with. And so we took them there, and I remember I had this beautiful time in the, in the car, just talking to some of them. Went there afterwards. I took them out for lunch, something special. We went out for lunch for pizza, and we had a great time together. Came home. I'm just like, and in my head, I'm thinking, where was I aware? Like multiple times, I was fully aware that God was with me in that process. I was trying to love on my boys and, and really have a special time, just me and the boys together. And then I came home, and then we played Super Mario Brothers Wonder, a uh, fun game we were playing together. I had a great, great time of connecting with them. And then Sarah came home later, and I remember specifically asking her about her day. Then a bunch of work around the house, sadly put away all the air conditioners and shed many tears as we put the air conditioners away and packed them away. Um... Went to my mom's house. I remember going over to my mom's house. On the way, I'm just like, Lord, help me to serve her. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like, help me to love her intentionally. It's like in my head. So, I'm, so this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm celebrating with God. Where was I aware of you or partnering with you? And I know in that, on the way over there, I was praying, like, Lord, help me to love my mom tonight. Let me to, to be able to engage with her. And as I was there, I was trying to serve in every way I could and, and do that. And, and that was the evening. And then at, at night, I put the kids down to bed. We prayed together. And then uh, I prayed as I went to bed. So there's, there's my first step of that prayer. Does that make any sense? It's just acknowledging those things. I'm trying to do it real briefly without getting too personal, but um, that's kind of the way I would do it. And then after I did that, I would go the other side now and do desolation. Lord, where did I miss you yesterday? So I'd go back and I'd start in the morning and the same thing. And this isn't to beat me up. This isn't to, Lord, I suck. I'm a terrible person. But Lord, where did I miss the opportunities to engage with your presence and your spirit from yesterday? And if I do this, I start in the morning. It starts before I woke up. Uh, if I'm honest, it'll start when uh, Hudson came in early, early, early in the morning, and I heard him come in, and I pretend I was asleep. And uh, missed an opportunity, love my wife right there, pretty sure he woke her up, don't know what happened, we'll have to talk about that. Um, and then... Uh, and then I began praying, but I remember as I was praying, I keep my phone in the, in the office to charge. I remember as I was praying, my desire kept going for my phone. Like I really, I had no message to check. I wanted to know, well, I, I don't know why, for some reason, like my desire was to get up and go check your phone. I don't know why, but that was a deep tension in my heart yesterday as I was praying. And so uh, that was an area where I, I recognized that tension was there. Um, after that, I remember going downstairs to the kids, and I said I took them out, that was great, but I told them, let's go, and they all said no. I said, and I kind of guilted them into it. I didn't do it the best way. I'm like, Daddy wants to do something fun with you. We have a day. We're going. And they were fighting against me, like, no, we want to play with our games. And I, I, I probably was a little bit rude in how I said, I want to have fun with you. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, probably wasn't the best way to get them in the car. Might have been some threats involved. I forget. Um, could have been more present in that moment. Uh, we're in the car. We had a good time. We were out. Um, trying to think after that, after we came home, I remember playing Simpson. When Sarah got home, I remember... Uh, There there was just, uh, there was some stress around that moment. I remember I had some, just, I I, I felt like a bit overwhelmed. I knew I still didn't finish the sermon because I hadn't done the previous day. So I recognized there was some discontent in that place. As we went to my mom's house, I remember at one point I was really distracted. I don't remember helping at all, cleaning up the dishes or anything else. Again, I'm I'm just trying to say, this is my process of how I do this. I'm thinking through my day. I'm like, I I remember walking away from the table. I don't remember what I did, but I should have served. I should have helped and I didn't do that. So I recognized that. We went home. We prayed with the kids, and I actually, I clearly remember last night while praying, I was so distracted. I was thinking about the sermon today. I was rewording it, working it in my head, and I was actually not present. I remember singing and not even knowing the words to the songs, even though it's the songs we sing. It's literally "Jesus Loves the Little Children," and I remember messing up the words because I was repeating my sermon in my head as we did that. So I wasn't present with my kids. So not no kudos for me for praying with my children because I wasn't even present for it. Um, and then as I went to bed, I remember my daily exam got cut short because I was really tired and just fell asleep. So. Uh, there, there there's that's my process of this right maybe too long maybe too personally like that's awkward we don't need to know that about you sorry i'm just trying to make it realistic of what that looks like and so that's kind of my middle process going through the day looking for god where is i aware with him aware of him and where did i partner with him and after that i moved to step four and step four now is forgiveness or repentance you want to put it and if it's not already clear by this point here's where i ask the gentle and compassionate lord and that's important to say I asked the gentle and compassionate Lord to show me any areas where I need to repent and ask for forgiveness. And then I simply repent and ask for forgiveness. Now, it might be really clear from the previous day what this would be. After I've done step three, it might be really obvious which of those things really stood out to me. And for me, the one that really stood out for me was I do not want to be distracted when I'm praying with my kids. Like, I, I felt terrible about that. I couldn't remember the words that Jesus loves me because I was so thinking about other things, right? And I was just trying to rush through it to get to my sermon. I remember praying quickly at the end just to get back so I could finish because I wanted to get to bed, right? And that was not okay. So my primary area of forgiveness from yesterday is, Lord, help me not to do that. I want to be aware. I want to be fully present with my kids tonight as we pray and as we talk. Amen? Um, And again, this is where we looked at last week of David's incredible capacity for repentance, That's why I wanted to begin this prayer looking at Psalm 139 because sometimes this idea of repentance can just take us down some twisted places of understanding. And if we have a twisted view of repentance or even asking forgiveness, it'll really just mess up the whole thing and it becomes this weird uh, place of of just self-abuse in some way. But David had that amazing ability to repent and we saw in Psalm 139 verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David knew how amazingly good and kind God was. And so we could pray this prayer knowing that God would love him and be kind to him and show him mercy and kindness. And so during the step of repentance, we don't come to God, as we talked last week, about like some scared dog waiting to get hit by the father. But instead, we come as a beloved child to meet with the father. Or, like, I was thinking, like a NASCAR car coming in for a pit stop. Whereas it's coming in to a pit stop in a race, it's coming in to get its tires changed, to add fuel, to wipe the windshield free of the junk that's on it, to refresh its tank, to remove anything that's hindering it and enable it to get back into the race and back into the journey. So repentance, I'm not afraid to come to God with repentance or or this place of reflection because I come with anticipation of growing. I come with an expectation that this loving, gentle God is going to usher me further into his kingdom and his path and his ways repentance is simply asking god to pull out the weeds in the gardens of our heart right weeds that are strangling out life and it may hurt a little bit when those weeds get pulled out but it's okay because it leads to life it leads to fruition it leads to joy and everything is better so repentance isn't this bad thing it's a beautiful thing of saying god remove these weeds that are stifling joy and life and freedom the way you created me to be do we have any golfers here this morning Right? I'm not currently a golfer. Uh, I just make sure whenever I go golfing, I take at least one for, ball for every hole. Right? That's how. That's about handicap. A ball per hole that I lose. Right? And then I just pick one off, and I just they go in the bush. I just keep walking. Don't even bother looking for it. Um, and so. Tells you how good I am. But years ago, my parents bought me lessons to go to, with a golf pro back when I was a teenager. And I remember going in, and when you do the lessons of the golf, it was a new thing at the time, but they would videotape you with your golf swing. And then the, the golf pro would come and they'd point all this stuff out to you of your swing. And I remember at first when they did it, I hated it. Like, it's just embarrassing looking at how bad you're swinging as this guy is breaking down your swing, telling you all the ways that you're terrible, right? And, and initially, it, it felt kind of embarrassing to watch. and I felt bad, but then I realized he wasn't there to criticize me He's there to see me flourish, right? He wants me to have freedom in my swing. So then I wasn't scared about him pointing this stuff out to me because what I want, I wanted a better swing. I wanted to have more freedom on the golf course to hit the ball further and specifically straighter and not have it go, you know, two holes over to the right. And that was what he was there to do was to help me in that process. But it did require a lot of correcting, a lot of losing, a lot of bad habits. I didn't take him telling me my weaknesses to be rebukes or anger or some type of thing that I was afraid of, but instead someone that wanted me to walk in freedom and flourish. You see, that coach was for me, not against me. Is that how we view Jesus? For us. So repentance, to me, it's like, just, Lord, look at my golf swing. Or in this case, look at my day, Father. Show me where was I in tune and where was I out of tune. And then repentance is just saying, Lord, I want to get rid of that garbage that was in there. I didn't spend that time with my kids. Lord, it's not a, you're a bad person, James, but I want more freedom. I want my kids to experience more life in you. I want to be full. I don't want them to ever think that I wasn't paying attention when I'm praying with them or when I'm talking to them. Repentance should not be a dirty word. It's getting the dirt and the water out of our gas tanks so we can be free to thrive. And it should be a daily process of just asking, Lord, where am I out of alignment? Where did I miss you today? Where was I too self-absorbed or moving towards desolation rather than consolation, moving towards sinful desires and disordered desires? Where did I not love others the way that you've called me to love? We should be so quick to repent as Christians. Our lives should be marked by repentance as Christians. We should be known for being people who repent. And yet, sadly, I know so many Christians that are actually known for not willing to admit that they're wrong that see repenting as some kind of loss that makes them look bad in some way. I heard a pastor recently say, I love his line, he said, I'd rather be part of a church that is quick to repent than one that is slow to sin. Now, that's not saying that we should encourage sin. But I love, would I rather be known for a church that's quick to repent? Because we're all going to sin at some point. But how quickly do we repent? How much do we have a heart for God's heart to not allow sin to flourish in our hearts? That rather than spending a life just avoiding sin, we move towards just pursuing Jesus. And anytime there's sin in our life or brokenness or pain, we just repent, we walk away from it, we yank up the weeds and we keep walking forward and keep the flower bed clear. There's something so beautiful that happens when we regularly repent of our sins with God because the more we repent and receive God's grace for us, the more easily we then reciprocate forgiving the sins of others when they sin against us. The more of God's grace we receive in our lives, the more freely we repent and receive as a regular practice of daily repenting before God, the easier it is when anyone offends us or we see something doing wrong for us to just say, yes, Lord, that same grace I now extend to them. When we don't repent regularly tends to be people that struggle to forgive others and receive people who have hurt them or hurting others with the same heart. Okay, then we move to the last step, which is just looking forward. And this is just looking forward to the following day and with God make specific plans and how I will walk and step with God's loving desire for my life. This last step is just, Lord, now I want to take what I've learned from this day and I want to apply it for tomorrow. So whatever it is I learned in this case, if I was praying and repenting of what I did with my kids, I want to be present. My looking forward to the next day then is just saying, Lord, tomorrow night, I'm going to be fully present to my kids. That's usually I just pick one thing, maybe two, just one aspect, right? Just one thing I want to work on tomorrow. I'm going to be fully present to my kids. And that's going to be tonight. I'm going to be fully present. Actually, I just realized I'm leaving, driving away tonight. I won't do tonight. We're going down to Portland. But tomorrow night when I do it, I won't be there for bedtime tonight. Tomorrow night when I do it, I will be fully present in the prayer time with them. But maybe it means for some of us, you know, I'll have to get up a few minutes earlier because I didn't have time to pray. Maybe it means I need to encourage a coworker who I thought I had that feeling towards me yesterday, I didn't say it. Or I said something, I need to repent to a co-worker because of something that I said the previous day that was harsh or unloving. Maybe it means I, I, I need to uh, spend some more time with the Lord in the morning. It could be anything what that is, but it's making a practical determination. Maybe it means I need to get my phone out of the bedroom. And I would say this to anyone, get your phone out of the bedroom. Don't allow your phone in the bedroom. Charge it in another room so as you go to bed at night, it's not social media, it's not TV, it's not other garbage, but it's a chance to be with your spouse if you're married. If you're not, it's a chance to be able to get in the word, get into prayer and be with him. All right. So that's the prayer. The whole purpose of this is to build God awareness in it. We're going to see what we're looking for. I mean, anyone ever bought a new car or got a different car and you realize that now you begin seeing that car everywhere you go? You never even noticed it existed before. and Now you see it everywhere as you begin looking for it. When my father died, uh, I had never heard previously of a Honda Pilot. It's a, a Honda car, didn't know existed, an eight-seater. And when my dad died, I got to inherit his Honda Pilot. Beautiful Honda Pilot. Never heard of one before, never seen one before until I got in his. And now I see Honda Pilots all over the road. They're everywhere. It turns out like half of our population drives Honda, Pil- Honda Pilots, it feels like, right? And the other half, I'm pretty sure, are driving Teslas, uh, but at least in this area. But I I notice it everywhere now because I'm actually looking for it, right? And as we look for these things, we see them. Finding God in your past, in the past day or week, makes it more easy to see God in your present. And sometimes I only do this on a weekly basis. In that case, I kind of big picture look over the week as a whole. We see the things we're looking for. And that's what makes this prayer so incredible. And sitting down each night and just watching that quick replay of the day with the Lord, getting his perspective, it's so encouraging. I notice him all over the place. And I get to celebrate the places where I engaged with him. It's so beautiful to see that. And I recognize often his movements in hindsight that I didn't see in the moment. And the more I recognize him in the past, the more I can recognize him in the present and capture those moments. And when we're looking at those areas of weakness where we missed him, and it's not about God being angry at us, it's not about shame, it's not about condemnation. He is a loving father showing us that he is fully present with us. Showing us that even in our worst moments, he's right there. Helping us to see, like see right there in that moment, when we think of that time where we were angry at our kids or we went off on our spouse, maybe we're looking at porn or we got drunk, he's saying right there in that moment when you ran to porn or alcohol, he's saying, I was right there. You could have turned to me. Not in shame. You could have turned to me. Right there in that moment, I was right there with you. Or you know that lady that helped you today? That was me. I was right there in that moment. That wasn't just her. That was me. I was with with you, encouraging you. Ruth Haley Barton, I I mentioned this last week in this great book called Sacred Rhythms. She says this about the exam, and she says, "Though Through the exam, we become aware of God's presence with us, even in moments that are tinged with regret and we begin to believe, check this out, little by little, that nothing can take us out of God's presence. Through faithful practice of this discipline, we begin to discover, as the psalmist did, that even those places within us that feel very dark and uninhabitable are places where God's presence is real. She quotes Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. She says, perhaps we were moving too fast to really notice him in the day, or maybe we were stubborn or lazy or felt it would require too much of us. Observing such a missed opportunity might fill us with regret, but this honing of our awareness opens us up to the opportunity for us to make a different choice next time and recognize God is right there with us. So again, this prayer is about increasing our awareness of God's presence and our engagement with him. And that's why I love this prayer. It's the single best way I know of to genuinely grow in actively living and loving like Jesus. Because it's not just ideas, it's actually, you know, boots to the ground making it happen. It's, it gets over, over spiritualizing things and just endless repetition of the same prayer and instead moves us toward actually growing and evaluating in, in these things. And the more we practice it, the more we look back, the more we become aware of God in the moment. It's easier to recognize God with us right now, to partner with him in the next moment and the next, to allow him to encourage us, to help us to walk through anxiety and trust issues and everything else. The Jesuit writer James Martin puts it this way. He says, finding God in your examine makes you more likely to look for him during the day. You become more aware of where God was and where God is. And gradually you realize that God is active every moment of the day. Finding God by looking behind you Makes it easier to see God right in front of you. And that's really why we do this. Because we don't change from our experience, we change when we evaluate that experience. So let's pray this together. We're going to take 10 minutes now and pray this together as a, as a body corporately. If you haven't done this with us yet, um, I don't mean to be too weird. We're just going to, I'm going to read off the step, and then we're going to take a minute or two just in silence just to pray that part alone. If you're at home, join us in doing this. So there's, there's five steps. That's going to be step one is gratitude, guidance, Review the day, forgiveness, and then looking forward. So let's just pray as we open. Father, we just come to you right now. I know this is kind of a weird sitting with our, our, our couple hundred favorite friends and praying, Lord. But may you be able to just open our hearts to receive from you here, and may we be able to just be fully present to you in this moment, Jesus. All right, so step one, gratitude. We're going to begin by giving thanks with a posture of gratitude for all that God has done. We're going to take one minute in silence and just think, what has God done for you, in you, around you, or for you? Recently, just pray out a prayer of gratitude to him right now. Amen. Okay, now step two, we're going to go to guidance. This is where to pray for the light and love of God's Spirit to guide us as we pray. Just ask the Lord to give you clarity. Ask the Holy Spirit to kind of light up your path as you are are seeking Him, that you're led by Him and not just by your own thoughts and random things. So take one minute and just pray. Now we're going to go to step three. And again, so this we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in going back through our day from morning to evening to see the day from His perspective. We're going to do it in two stages. First, with consolation. We're looking for where we are aware of His presence and where our actions and heart were in step with Jesus today. And then we're going to go back through with desolation. So again, start in the morning. We're going to take two minutes for consolation. We're going to take two minutes just to go back through. Start in the morning when you woke up and then go through until you went to bed last night and just go through hour by hour Where did you experience His presence? Where were you engaging with Him? Where were you, by His Spirit, loving others, whether you're aware of it or not, where were you engaging with His heart or pursuing Him and walking towards Him? Take two minutes. Just start from the morning, picture the day, just kind of roll the video of the day out with God. Now we're going to start over again. Start in the morning when you woke up, or in my case, before I woke up the first time. And go through the day and say, Lord, where did I miss the opportunity to see you? Where was I walking away from you? Maybe walking in sin or anxiousness or fear or spiritual lethargy or apathy. And just start from the morning, go through the day. Say, Lord, where did I miss you? Where did I not partner with you? Where was the missed opportunity to love the way I could have loved Take a couple minutes. Okay, now we're going to move on to step four forgiveness or repentance. So, if it's not already clear by this point, it may be really glaringly obvious by that last step. But ask the gentle and compassionate Father to show us any areas of our life where we need to repent. And then just repent. So, we'll take one minute. He's here for you, He wants for you to pull the weeds out of the garden and help you to do so. Say, Lord, I want to be clean, I want to be free. Repent where you need to repent. And now the last step. Now it's the looking forward. So we look forward to the following day, in this case it's today, with God and make a specific plan in how you will walk and step with God's loving desire for your life. Just take a minute process with the Lord of what can you do today that you learned from yesterday and it likely has involved whatever you just repented of or maybe one of the things that stood out. Maybe it's take time initially to spend some time with your spouse today, if that's something that came out to you. Maybe it's to be intentional with your kids or with a friend, or maybe it's to put the the phone charger in a different room, or maybe it's uh, skip the TV show to have more time to be with the Lord, whatever it is. Or maybe it's give someone an encouraging message, which is whatever that is. But take a minute right now with the Lord and make a plan. What are you going to do today based upon what you've seen so far in this prayer that moves you more in step with Jesus and His love for others and for you? That's it. That's the prayer of examine. I hope you can see beauty in that, even in the midst of the awkward situation of doing it here in a group. And so, we're going to continue. But the ushers are going to begin to pass out communion for today, the elements for it. Uh, Just, you know, we're doing something a little different. Since COVID, we've had these little popping cup lids that everyone gets annoyed by, with the pop, 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 pop across the room. I always just try and consider it applause, but it's uh, a... it's, it's nice to try and move that away. We tried to you know, be COVID-friendly with all the things. And so now we're, we're, we're a little stack of two cups. One will have the little cracker in it at the bottom of it. One will have the juice at the top. So just pass those around. We're experimenting with doing it this way because some people still don't want anyone else touching their bread or their, their crackers. So we're trying, trying to find ways to, to make it work. So be patient as we, we try and figure out what works best. But imagine if we prayed that prayer daily. You see how that could radically change your life? Every day, you take 10, 15 minutes at night, you pray that every day, you're aware of what God is doing. Every day, you're repenting. Every day, you're actually making changes based upon the previous day to who God is and what He's doing. How incredible would that be? Doesn't that sound amazing? There's no prayer I know of that can change your life as much as this one. That's why Ignatius said, he said to all his people, all his followers, there were thousands of them, he said, if you only have 15 minutes in the day to pray, he says, pray the prayer of examine and I would encourage it. An incredible prayer reflection, though again, don't forget last week that we don't need to walk in shame. It's not about performance, but if we're not careful to move towards shame and performance, it'll just lose its heart completely. Instead, it should be, again, tending that garden and living a life of freedom. Now, I don't do it every, every day. I tend to do it a few times a week, but it's a chance to cultivate the garden of the heart and pulling out whatever weeds are in the way. Gary Jansen, another book uh, I loved reading on this called, it's called The 15-Minute Prayer Solution, How 1% of Your Day Can Transform Your Life. What a great title, right? He calls this The 15-Minute Prayer Solution. One 15 minutes a day will change your life. He says, the examine is a bit like a spiritual chiropractor, helping bring your desires in alignment with God's will. And conversely, it helps bring your will into alignment with God's desires. This prayer, I love that it's like a spiritual chiropractor, just an adjustment each night before bed to get back in line with God. And I don't know you, but that is continually my longing in my heart to live in love like Jesus. Or Ignatius' prayer that he was very famous for, and one that I love so much, he says this. He says, I ask for the grace to know Jesus intimately, to love him more intensely, and so to follow him more closely. That's my prayer. That'd be all of our prayer. To know Jesus more intimately, to love him more intensely, and so to follow him more closely. Amen? Remember, God is for us. He is with us, and he longs to partner with us. All right. Now, what a beautiful way for us to close today in increasingly being aware of God's presence than to take communion together, to come around the Lord's table and to say, Father, we thank you that you are with us and that you gave your life for us. As We follow Jesus' command to remember him in this way. So the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his 12 disciples around him. And he took the cup and the bread that were before him at this meal, and he he raised up the bread, and he says, this is my body that is broken for you. You just take the bread out, put it in your hand, or throw it straight in your mouth, but he said, this is my bread that was, or my body that was broken for you. He says, when you take this meal, take this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. We remember his sacrifice. Then Jesus took the cup of wine. He told him, This cup of wine represents my blood that is shed for you, that I am giving my life for you so that you can have life in me. Let's take the cup. How amazing is it, Jesus, that your greatest longing is for us to dwell with you, as we've talked time and time again, for all of eternity. You gave your life for us and called us to remember this, because in your life, in your death, we now have life. We can now dwell with you, Lord Jesus, here and now, not just then and there, here and now. So, Lord, may we cultivate a deeper longing for you, for intimacy with you, for your presence, and to conform our life to yours, Jesus. May you draw our hearts increasingly as we lay our heads upon our pillows, Father, to not put our attention on phones or screens, but upon you and your beauty and your glory and your ways. Jesus, thank you that you are present here and now. Capture our hearts. Grow within us the desire for you, for your beauty, your glory, and your presence. Thank you, Jesus.